Hello and welcome to 5 Minutes to Midnight. My name is Mohammed Eldafani. In this episode I will be talking about the Islamist body and face covering female attire that has proliferated throughout Muslim-majority countries and can be seen worn by many Muslim women in the West. The niqab and its variants, the burqa, the khimar, the shadur and their aquatic version, the burkini, are increasingly the focus of a battle that is raging across the Arab world. It is non-violent and it hits the news headlines only occasionally. And to many it may seem banal, given the savagery blighting the Arab world. But its consequences are far-reaching and in the long term, maybe even deadly. Feminist, liberal and leftist defenders of the veil, whatever form it takes, argue that women should have the right to choose what to wear and or that these forms of dress are an expression of cultural or religious identity and should be respected. Opponents, on the other hand, cite the veil as a symbol of women's oppression by patriarchal societies and misogynist cultures. Few, however, view the veil in terms of its potentially harmful impact on society especially in the Arab world. In 1859, in the essay On Liberty, the philosopher John Stuart Mills, one of the most influential thinkers in the history of liberalism, made the distinction between self-regarding and other-regarding actions. Self-regarding actions are those which do not affect the interests of others while other regarding actions are those that do. Mills argued that the actions of individuals should be limited only to prevent harm to other individuals. Quote, The sole end for which mankind are warranted individually or collectively in interfering with the liberty of action of any of their number is self-protection. The only part of the conduct of anyone for which he is amenable to society is that which concerns others. Over himself, his own body and mind, the individual is sovereign. Unquote. Earlier, in 1789, France's Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen stated that, quote, Liberty consists in the freedom to do everything which injures no one else. Hence the exercise of the natural rights of each man has no limits except those which assure to the other members of the society the enjoyment of the same rights. Unquote. Those limits fall under what Mills describes as the other regarding actions or actions that rightfully concern others whose right and even duty it is to intervene. In these instances, compulsion or making someone do something that he or she otherwise would not do if the decision were his or her alone is legitimate and justifiable. The decision to wear the veil, in particular its most extreme forms, the niqab, the burqa, the khimar and the shadur, does not take place in a vacuum. 
It is in fact another regard and action that contributes towards shaping the culture in which people live and the expectations that society has of the individual. It therefore justifies the intervention of everyone who values freedom, gender equality and the right to live in a civil society devoid of prejudice and bigotry. The veil is not simply a piece of ethnic attire. It is an integral part of the Muslim Brotherhood's project to mould Muslim-majority countries and immigrant Muslim communities according to its interpretation of Islam. This is a supremacist, misogynist interpretation which views Muslims as morally superior to non-Muslims and women as a problem that has to be contained and prevented from corrupting the morals of men. In Islam, which forms the basis of the Muslim Brotherhood's ideology, a woman's body is seen as aura, a concept that appears in the Muslim holy book, the Quran, and is Arabic for defectiveness, imperfection, blemish or weakness. The notion of aura is in fact Jewish in origin and is derived from the Hebrew word erva, which first appears in the Hebrew Bible in Leviticus 18.6 and is used in the Talmud to describe parts of the female considered to be immodest and sexually provocative, including her hair, thighs and voice. Thus, in Islam, as in Judaism, women are required to cover themselves with loose-fitting clothes that completely obscure the outline of their bodies and are enjoined to be careful with their tone when they speak to men, lest they arouse them sexually. The desired outcome, from an Islamist point of view, was captured succinctly in a billboard by the Islamic State terrorist group, an an offshoot of Al-Qaeda which emerged out of the Muslim Brotherhood, seen in the Libyan coastal town of Sirt in 2015. It instructs women to wear clothing that must be thick and not revealing, must be loose, must cover all the body, must not be attractive, must not resemble the clothes of unbelievers or women or, or men, must not be decorative and eye-catching, must not be perfumed. For the Muslim Brotherhood and other Islamists, female modesty equates to wearing their form of the veil, and doing otherwise is deemed loose, decadent and attention-seeking. As one writer, Majid Nawaz, has noted, this is a subtle form of bigotry against the female form, and in too many instances across Muslim-majority countries and communities, it has led to this slut-shaming of women who do not cover up. A generation of bigots is being brought up. People who grow up in this environment understand no live and let live. It is a zero-sum game of believers and unbelievers, a house of peace and a house of war. In the Arab countries, this is the new zeitgeist or spirit of the age. However, it hasn't always been like that. In the Middle East and North Africa and in Arab immigrant communities, 
Up until the 1970s, the female body was not shamed out of public view. This was a time when Pan-Arabism, in its Nasserist or Ba'athist forms, and with its progressive and socialist slogans and antipathy towards Islamism, was the dominant ideology. It was a time of emancipation for women, at least as far as dress codes are concerned. But then came the defeat in the 1967 war with Israel and the rapid demise of Pan-Arabism. The ideological vacuum was filled by the Muslim Brotherhood and its progenies and with these came the proliferation of the hijab and its variants. This should be of utmost concern to Arabs and Muslims as well as to Western governments and publics. What is at stake here is not just aesthetics, though these are important in facilitating social inclusion and social mobility, especially as regards the large and growing Muslim immigrant communities in the West. What is at stake is in fact the very foundation of a liberal and plural society. While defenders of the Muslim veil and its variants argue that women should choose whether or not to wear it, the very proliferation of the veil is a solid indicator of the spread of a totalitarian ideology, Islamism, and its principal vehicle, the Muslim Brotherhood, which are completely opposed to personal freedom, gender equality, tolerance, democracy, and, coexist and coexistence with other faiths and none at the individual and societal level. As one political commentator, Magdi Abdelhadi, points out, the, pro the broader context in which the observance of the so-called Islamic dress code is taking place is the growth of a political and highly ideologized version of the faith, back backed up with petrodollars from Qatar and Saudi Arabia, that is often associated with belligerence at best and barbaric violence at worst. This, he argues, renders the notion of choice quite meaningless. And it firmly places the question of the niqab, the burqa, the khimar, the shador and the burkini in the league of other regarding actions that require our urgent intervention. Thank you for listening to 5 Minutes to Midnight.